0: Well, I like that song. That's a wonderful song. As again, it reminds us of the cross and what it means in our own lives as Christians. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, love to follow along with me from Matthew, the 18th chapter, beginning there in verse 21 as we go through 35 together. Again, this is an encounter in which uh, Peter asked a question to Jesus and as Jesus often did, He began to tell a story, began to tell a parable, a parable that was real to life in those days, and yet it had an eternal meaning to it. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I counseled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have have mercy on your fellow servant? just as I had on you. In anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured, and he should pay back all he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the understanding of His precious and holy word. The cross of Christ, recipients, and givers of forgiveness. If I were to ask you this morning to generate a list of those people that maybe you don't like or maybe that don't like you, those people who have said harm against you or hurt you tremendously, what would that list look like? Who would be on that list? I'm sure that many of you in your minds could come up with some people, at least uh, in the past, if not present tense, that you've had on that list, I'm sure that there are more than just a few hearts that are listening to my voice today that could find fertile fields for the root of bitterness. Perhaps, as you listen today in this service, you could ask, so do I have someone that I'm angry with? So to have someone that I'm holding a grudge against or maybe for some time or someone that has done wrong to me, has personally hurt me and I've never forgiven them, you may say, so what? It really isn't any of your business. Well, Dwight L. Moody, back in those days in which he was doing just a tremendous amount of revivals, remember those days in which we had revivals, he made this comment. He said, the one sin that is keeping revival from coming to the church, uh, more lost people from being saved, and more of the blessings of God for coming to His people is the sin of an unforgiving spirit. I would tend to agree with him, just as our airports have metal detectors, I wonder if to get into the church that we had grudge detectors that you had to pass through a grudge detector before you could get into church i wonder how many people would be pushed away from the church because they haven't been able to forgive a brother or sister in the past Forgiveness, as we understand it, it presents real issues in our life. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall uh, I forgive my brother who has sinned against me? Up to seven times. Now, the problem with forgiveness is this. Forgiveness deals with real sins in our life. You see, forgiveness has to deal with some of the most unpleasant things that we as human beings have to encounter. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody has done wrong to you. You know what it feels like. Maybe it happened this past week or this past year or maybe it happened 25 years ago. You know what it feels like to be hurt and to be wronged by somebody. We're not talking about overlooking some type of behavior that is justified by some type of excuse. But forgiveness deals with real sin. If the behavior that forgiveness deals with can be excused, then maybe it doesn't need to be forgiven at all. It simply needs to be accepted. But the reason why forgiveness is so difficult is because it deals with the inexcusable, the unacceptable. And the unforgettable, it sticks in our minds. It delves into our hearts. We feel that pain. We feel that jolt in our lives. The word forgiveness itself is a difficult word because the word literally means to let go of or to send away, to let go of to send it in another direction away from us. Forgiveness is when you release to the Lord that bitterness that you have this welled up inside of you and you turn it over to someone else. You see, it is the willingness to send the offender and the offense away into the very hands of God and let God deal with it. How have we been dealing with that in our own personal life? often we find we don't have the power to release that. But it's only as we trust in our living and holy God that we're able to turn loose of that and release that into His own hands. Psychologists and ministers alike agree that there's only one real cure for bitterness and hatred in our life, and that's forgiveness. Dr. Archibald Hart defines forgiveness as giving up my right to hurt you for hurting me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you hear what I'm saying this morning about that? The Apostle Peter asked that question that maybe we'd like to ask to God sometimes. God, how many more times am I going to have to forgive this person? This person who has hurt me, this person who has wronged me, how many more times am I going to have to hurt uh, from this person in my life? Now, Peter, he could be a little bit canny he thought he was being smart. Smarter than Jesus, for he said seven times. Now, the rabbinic law said that uh, you needed to forgive somebody three times. So what Peter did, he just multiplied that by two and added one uh, just for some comfort. But yet Jesus comes back and says to him far more times than that? Well, the Lord Jesus gave the answer. He said, I do not say to you up seven times, but to 70 times seven. Wow. You can't keep a scorecard, Christ is saying. If somebody sins against you the first time, and you forgive them as your brother or sister, then you promise never to hold it against them again. Now, how did Jesus... Come to this conclusion. Well, you see, Peter was appealing to the law, but listen to this: Jesus was appealing to love. What's the difference? Forgiveness has nothing to do with the law, but it has everything to do with love. The law has limits; love does not. The law keeps count; love does not. The law keeps record. Love does not. The law has a memory. We lose our memory with love. You may be thinking, well, I could never forgive anyone that many times that Jesus is talking about. That's unrealistic. Come on, Jesus. Forgiveness is not a prisoner of our emotions. It is servant of your will. And through Jesus Christ, not only can you forgive, I think it calls us to say we must forgive. As people of faith, as Christians walking in the light of Jesus Christ, we are called to do that. It's not an option. I don't think he gives us an option here. He says if you want my grace extended to you in forgiveness, we hear that in the story, then you must forgive others. So often our attitude is if I'm going to get mad, I'm, I'm just going just to get even. We never get even, do we, by trying to get even. Benjamin Franklin a long time ago said this, doing an injury puts you below your enemy. Revenging one makes you but even with him. But forgiving him sets you above him. Forgiveness, yeah. It's free, but it isn't cheap, is it? It wasn't cheap, our forgiveness through Christ. You see, real forgiveness, Jesus tells us in the parable, is that we must understand that, first of all, for us to forgive, that we know that we've been forgiven. And I wonder, as we start there this morning, have you been forgiven? Have you been forgiven of your sins? Have all of your sins been forgiven by Jesus Christ? As we read the Scriptures, we believe that, don't we? We believe such things as that they're removed as far as the east is from the west. That we are made just as white as snow. That He washes all of our sins away. We believe that. We've been taught that. We've read that. We've studied that in the Scriptures. We've heard that preached. We've heard that taught, haven't we? Forgiveness is free, but it's not cheap. Therefore, the kingdom of God is like a king, he says, who wanted to settle his accounts with the servants, and when he began to settle these, one was brought to him, it says in our scripture, with 10,000 bags of gold. Others may say talents. But he was not unable, he was not able to pay, and so the master commanded that he uh, sell both himself and his wife and his children, all that he had, that payment would be made. But Jesus tells the man who had embezzled a great sum of money, in fact the sum of 10,000 bags, he could not pay it back. Uh, For we are told in the Scriptures that the entire tax on Galilee for one year was 200 bags of gold. So the man owed the equivalent of 50 years of taxes, on the entire region of Galilee. Now, that would roughly be about $9 million in today's world. We couldn't pay it back either, could we? I don't think most of us could pay it back. So it was a free gift. It was an unpayable debt. This was absolutely no way this man could gather this amount of money. The debt represents our sin, and our sin, we find, is unpayable debt, isn't it? No matter how hard you work, how good you may be, you can never pay back the debt of sin that we owe to God. Forgiveness is full, not partial. Please hear that. The servant therefore fell down and saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him all of his debt. All of his debt. This is what the king did. He took that debt and he turned it into a loan. In other words, he realized that the money had been embezzled, but considered it a loan, And then he forgave the loan. You know, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did on the cross. He took all of the debts that we owed. took all of the sins that we owed. And he forgave us, didn't he? He forgave all of it. He did not forgive part of our sin. He forgave all of our sins. In John 1, 7 it says... The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all of our sin. Forgiveness is final. It's not temporary. Then the master, the servant, was moved with compassion, and he forgave him of his debt. Now what had happened here? Well, the slate was clean, the debt was canceled, and the prisoner was released. Sometimes instead of offering someone total forgiveness, when they've done us wrong, we hold on to that, don't we? We pray something like this old Irish prayer that says, May those who love us, love us, and those who don't love us, may God turn their hearts. And if He doesn't turn their hearts, may He turn their ankles, so we'll know them by their limping. We don't totally give it all away, do we? Forgiveness experience will become... Forgiveness expressed. But we find in this story what happened. This man who had been forgiven found somebody who owed him a lot less money. And the man couldn't pay that bill. And so he said, We'll throw you into prison till you pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they became angry. And they went back to the master and said, I want to tell you what's happened here. And of course, we know that the master became angry. You see, do you know that there is a difference between enjoying forgiveness and experiencing forgiveness? A lot of folks enjoy forgiveness, but they have never experienced forgiveness because they cannot express uh, God's forgiveness to other people. We stop halfway. Oh, we delight in being able to say, God's forgiven me. He's forgiven me for our sins. And then if God would come and whisper in our ears and ask us the question, have you forgiven other people as I have forgiven you? There may be complete silence because we would have to answer no. Forgiveness is expensive. But unforgiveness is explosive. And the master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he could pay all that was due, due him. Excuse me. When the king hears about the hypocrisy and he saw the wicked hatefulness of this man, he immediately threw him back into jail because of the debt. The next time you find yourself hard to forgive someone, keep this in mind. That forgiveness is as much for us as it is for the other person. Let me say that again. That forgiveness is as much for us as it is the other person. You see, it's like holding a hot coal in our hand and we're the one that is getting burned. Don't miss the fact that this man thrown back in prison, it was his own fault. There are many of us today who are in prison with the bars of our own bitterness. I want to tell you a couple of stories that mean something to me and I think illustrate this whole issue of forgiveness. One of them involves Dr. Norman Vincent Peale who he was preaching one morning, and when he got through, this well-dressed, young, nice-looking lady came up to him and says, Dr. Peel, I need to talk to you for a minute. And he said, sure. He said, what is it that I can help you with? He said, well, I have this problem. You see, when I come to church, and particularly this morning, I develop an itch and I have a fever. And the longer I stayed here, the more that persisted. <laughs> and Dr. Phil said, "Well, I've had a lot of comments about my messages before. I've never had anybody tell me that they started itching and had a fever because of my preaching. And she didn't think it was funny at all. She said, "I've been to numerous doctors and I've had them to look at this and they can't find anything wrong with me." He said, "Well, Who's your doctor? Can I call him? Dr. Peel said, I, I sort of suspected that it wasn't a physical issue, but rather maybe it was mental or maybe it was emotional or maybe it was spiritual or a combination of those things. But he called the doctor as she gave permission and he asked the doctor, he said, uh, I have a lady that's come to me and she's got a niche. She said, she's come to you. Do you see anything physically wrong with this? said, absolutely not. He said, I I sort of think it's some kind of mental eczema. Dr. Peel said, do you know of any other problems that the lady may be having? He said, well, on occasion she's mentioned that her sister and her uh, had some disagreement in the past and they have a fractured relationship that they haven't repaired. Dr. Peel called the lady in and asked her about the relationship with her sister. She said, yeah, years before, uh, we had this disagreement over the estate, selling Dad's estate, and it was pretty rough. And, and I decided at that time that I would never speak to her again in my life. Dr. Peel said, do you love Jesus? And She said, yes. And he said, do you think that Jesus ever hated anybody? She said, no, sir. And he said, then do you believe with the help of God that you can overcome this hatred in your heart? And she said, yes, Dr. Peel, I know that with the help of Jesus that I can overcome this hate. And he said, then you need to do what I'm going to tell you to do right now. Tell God that you're sorry for your sin and ask him to take that hate away from your heart. And she did that. And then he said, now, uh, I want you to tell God that you love your sister and that you've forgiven her for the things that she's wronged you for. Dr. Peel said she hesitated, and then she started crying, and she said this. Dr. Peel said she really didn't do me wrong. It's all built up in my mind. She's really the sweetest person on earth, and I've been such a fool. Dr. Peel said, now... You need to tell Jesus, with his help, that you're going to forgive your sister and that you're going to remove all of this hatred from your heart. And she said, I will. And then he said this, what's your sister's telephone number? And she gave that number to Dr. Phil and said, well, I'm going to call her and you're going to talk to her. And he dialed the number and she said, I can't talk to her. Dr. Peel said, yeah, you're going to talk to her. And the lady hesitated for a moment, then she simply said, Sister, I love you. Would you please forgive me? And both of those sisters began to cry and to weep over the phone, and a relationship was there mended. And Dr. Peel said when she hung up the phone for the first time in four years, the itching was gone, and so was the fever. What doctors and medicine and psychiatry and pills could not do, forgiveness was able to do. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? You can be theologically straight and morally upright, but if you do not have a forgiving spirit, you are spiritually bankrupt I want to tell you one other story that moved me it's by a guy by the name of Rusty Woomer he was in South Carolina getting ready for the electric chair he had committed a terrible crime as he had gone into a convenience store and there was a lady there by the name of Della Sellers Rusty was high on drugs and alcohol, and he came in there to rob the store, but he kidnapped her, took her to the woods, shot and killed her, and now he was in prison for it. But while in prison, he encountered Jesus and had a transformation that occurred in his life as he accepted Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. But he didn't have total peace. There was something still in his life that was missing. He had asked for forgiveness from the family and others that he had harmed. He had looked for a sign from his brother, from her brother, that he had been forgiven. And then one day a plain white envelope was slid underneath his cell door. And he trembled when he saw what the address was, for it was her brother Lee Hewitt, Della's summer's younger brother. And this is what the letter said from the brother. For years I have hated you with all of my heart. I could have killed you for what you did to my sister. I only regretted that you were in prison because I couldn't get to you. But I spent time in jail myself 56 times over the years. I've been in prison. I, too, felt failure. But then I became a Christian. And the more that I learned about being a Christian, the more that I knew that I had to forgive you. I didn't want to, but I got to where I couldn't even pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He said, it made me so mad. Now I had to forgive you. Now the ball was in my court. I prayed about it and God has done a miracle in my heart. I forgive you. We are brothers in Christ. I love you. My friends, there's only one way that that happens. It's where two people's lives intersect at the cross of Jesus Christ. None of us on our own strength and abilities can overcome such great hurt and disappointment and sadness. We've all been hurt, haven't we? My gracious with the onslaught of social media, we can all be culprits, and victims of that if we're not careful. We've had people to say and do things of harm against us that we've pledged in our heart, I'll never get over that and I'll never forgive that person. They've hurt me. But I'm telling you, the scriptures tell us something different. He tells us as children of God, as people of faith, of believers of the Word of God and of Jesus Christ, that we are called to move beyond our own selfish desires, our own who we are and how important we are to rest and trust in Jesus Christ our Lord. Forgiveness is both an attitude and it's an action. The attitude frees the forgiver and the action frees the forgiven. We sometimes cannot forgive because we really have not experienced our own forgiveness through Jesus Christ. It says to me that If we forgive someone, maybe we need to commit these three things. Commit that you will not use it against that person again in the future. Secondly, that you'll not spend all of your time and all of your energy talking about them. You may say they really deserve it, but you're not going to spend all your time and energy doing that anymore. And also commit that you will not dwell on it yourself. How many times has somebody said a word of harm against you, taken action against you, and boy, we just keep spinning it and spinning it around and around in our brains and in our heart, and sometimes we even lose touch of what really happened. It's become bigger and greater than we ever imagined but if we really are sincere about this whole thing of forgiveness. And I know this morning how difficult a subject this is. For I have talked to hundreds of people about this very subject. And it's not just secondary knowledge. I've had first-hand knowledge of this. I've had these experiences too. And I know how difficult it is. And yet I understand this parable That in this story, that the master forgave a man who could never pay his debt. And that's me, and that's you. Then we turn around with just a piddling of money owed to us, and we're going to hold somebody bondage and captive and in slavery. And God is saying, that's not right. He was saying it to Peter and his disciples. And he's saying it to us this morning, that's not right. And it doesn't work that way. And we're called to a higher level of competency, of commitment, of devotion, of loyalty to Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon said one time, let us go to Calvary to learn how we may be forgiven and let us linger there to learn how. To forgive, there's only one way to become a forgiving person and that is to become a forgiven person there's only one way to become a forgiven person and that is to go to Calvary my friend when you've been to Calvary you realize with all of your heart and all of your life uh, that the air is human but to forgive listen to what I'm saying to forgive is divine and it comes from God. Amen and an amen. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we sometimes wish that we could pass over this passage of Scripture because it cuts deep into our heart. We want to justify our feelings and our attitudes and our actions. We want to say it's okay to be that way because we didn't deserve what we got. But Lord, you have forgiven us. One sin? Two sins? A hundred sins? No you forgave us from all of our sins. and Whereas we're not perfected yet and we're not God, we're called to be godly. And we're called to be Christ-like. And we're called not to hold on to grudges and hardness of heart and bitterness and an unforgiving spirit. Help us, O oh Lord, to trust in You to pray with you that you will help us to move through this for it's holding us back from being the people of God that you would have us to be. Cleanse us, O oh Lord. And make us whole again for us in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we make this prayer. Amen. May God bless you as a result of you being with us. I hope that you've heard the voice of God and that you don't leave it in your seat or in your room or in your house or in your gathering place. But you would let that live within you today and every day this week and that you'd give some real consideration and what is God asking you to do with this passage of Scripture this morning? And I hope that you'll do something transformational, reconciling yourself, not only to God, but to our fellow man. It's the right thing to do. It's the godly thing to do. Now next week, those who are watching live, you're going to have to get up earlier if you're going to watch us live. It's 8.30 next week. And I can hear some ooh and on even from where I am right now. But we'll have an 8.30 service here at the church and a 10.30 service. Love to have you here. I think this will be a safe place for you to come. And I hope that uh, you bring your mask and you certainly pay attention to where you sit. And we'll have ushers outside for you and be delighted to see you. As I've said before, many of you have never worshipped in our new place and this would be a great sunday palm sunday as jesus rode in to the town on that donkey as king of kings and lord of lords what a great time to come back to church during this easter season as we celebrate a resurrected christ not one who is still in the grave so may god bless you until we meet again and we hope the lord will protect you and watch over you amen Amen. Mm-hmm.